Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. I don't know if you all were here for the Christmas Eve service or saw it, but Jason did the children's message, and he did such a wonderful job, and so thankful for him. But, but I don't, if you don't know, uh, Jason and Lisa are going back to South Africa probably sometime this summer, maybe earlier or later, we're not sure. And, uh, and anyways, they're going to be opening an orphanage for children where they can share the gospel with them. And so if you are looking to financially support someone or support someone in prayer, uh, these, uh, this is a great ministry to support because um, God, God loves orphans. And so this is a great way to, to support a ministry um, that we trust the people that are involved with. We know the people, and we hope to take many mission trips there and be a part of that. And so we're excited for what God's going to do. So anyways, Jason, thank you for bringing us God's word this morning. All right. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Woo. I woke up this morning with two thoughts stuck in my head. They were just embedded really, really deep in there, and I couldn't shake them. And the first one was a brilliant idea, I think, a, uh, a million-dollar idea. And the second was kind of a bummer. And I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to begin with the million-dollar idea, but you, uh, you've got to promise not to use it before I get to use it, okay? And it's this. I have an idea for a T-shirt, and it's going to, in big letters, big, bold letters on the front, it's going to say, 2020 was the best year ever. And then in small print, said nobody ever. And I think that I could, uh, I think that t-shirt could sell quite well if I could get it up and going just this week um, and sell it for the New Year parties. Um, because we have five days to go until the end of the year, five more days um, to leave this, uh, until we get to leave this weary year behind us. And I think everyone that I speak to, I keep hearing the same thing, that everyone is ready to leave behind 2020. But the second kind of depressing thought that I woke up with this morning is this, that although we are moving into a new year, um, into 2021, and there with a new year comes new possibilities and a lot to look forward to, the bummer is that in many ways, um, 2020 is going to follow us into 2021 because the battles that rage around us in the world and in our own hearts and minds and bodies uh, when we go to sleep on Thursday night are going to be there uh, waiting for us when we wake up on Friday morning. So I know that's kind of a depressing way to start a sermon, but there is hope. Because where Christ is, there is always hope. And we're going to be preaching, well, I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 46 today. 
And uh, I really hope that we can find Christ there and that we can find hope for the battles that we have faced this year and will face again in 2021. So as you turn there in your Bibles, Psalm 46, the, uh, it's uh, 471 in the Red Bible. Let's uh, begin reflecting on 2020. I think it's an appropriate time to reflect as we, uh, as we come to the end of the year here. And I wanna ask us a few questions. The first is, what battles did you fight in 2020? The second, which battles were the most exhausting? And the third, which battles are you still fighting today? Because I think that you will agree that uh, 2020 was a year that was wrought with battles, difficult battles, exhausting battles. And uh, yeah, well, let's review those battles for a second, right? The year started out as any other, a a harsh Wisconsin winter. And now I'm sure many of you who are born and raised in Wisconsin are like, well, the the winters here aren't too bad. They're kind of mild, but if you have South African blood coursing through your veins, the winters here are always harsh, but at least it wasn't surprising. And next, well, COVID hit, right? We don't need to, uh, that's, uh, that's old news now, worldwide pandemic, total chaos around the world. Quarantined for weeks on end. That was a total disaster. I, uh, I remember those early quarantine weeks going to the store and starting to get used to these, uh, these masks and being a little bit confused about how to put them on and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I remember being at the stores and thinking that I could always tell the difference between adults who had children and adults who didn't have children by looking at their eyes. Because those adults without children, their eyes were always glazed over and like vapid, like they're watching too much much Netflix. But the the eyes of parents were wild, like like a deer caught in the headlights. Um, So there's been a lot of racial tension this year, rioting, burning, in a couple words, total anarchy. And while all these battles are going on out there in the world, all of us have faced battles right here in our own homes, hearts, heads, bodies. For example, my dear wife Lisa allowed me to share this, but she had a a rough year this year. Uh, She battled through pregnancy, battled through labor and delivery, and battled through postpartum recovery. And I think if we were to go around the sanctuary today, we could probably fill the mornings Uh, the morning with just battles that all of us have faced. People have lost loved ones, Uh, people have lost income, we're all fatigued and weary. 2020 has been a year of great panic in the world, chaos here in the American nation. And there are all these battles raging around us and inside of us. So let me ask you again, which battles did you fight in 2020? Which ones were the most exhausting? And which ones are you fighting still today? And I want you to think about those things as we read through Psalm 46 and as we work through Psalm 46. And I pray that uh, the Psalm will be an encouragement to you. So let's read together, beginning in verse one. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning bruised and broken from the battles of 2020. We're a poor and weary people, and Lord, we pray that your word, that you would use this word to give light to our hearts, to strengthen our faith and renew our hope. And as we reflect on this coming year and we try and relate your word in Psalm 46 to our personal battles, things that we're struggling with, that um, you, would, you would give us that hope, Lord, that you would that you would renew our, our, our trust in you as we go into the next year. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love Psalm, 40, psalm 47. It's probably one of my favorites because in the psalm, God is mighty in battle. He's mighty over the battle and he is ultimately victorious. The second part of verse 10 reads, I, God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And it's just cool to read about how God is a mighty warrior. And he's in the battle. But if we look carefully, he's not the only one there. We're there too. And Psalm 46 calls us again and again to the surprising thing. It is not calling us to take up arms, which we might expect, right? It's a battle. But instead, we're called again and again to find refuge and peace in God. In a year marked with many battles, hostility, rebellion, both from that broken world around us and from the broken world within, and I think we know that our broken inner worlds are a lot more frightening than the one around us. God calls us in the psalm to find refuge in three ways. To find refuge in the right place, to find refuge at the right time, and to find refuge in the right person. You see, when we fight our battles on our own, we find no refuge. When we fight our battles on our own, we find no peace. But what I want us to see today is that Christ, as our Prince of Peace, promises to give us his peace while we're in the battle. So let's walk through it together. Look with me at verse two and three. They picture the natural world in great upheaval and chaos. We're given an, a terrifying picture of earthquakes, mountains heaving and trembling, raging storms at sea, tsunamis, 
rushing in from the ocean. In verse 3, we read, the waters roar, and after that, the mountains tremble. Now, the interesting thing is that in the biblical literature, mountains represent the most steady, stable, and settled things in our lives. But here, in Psalm 46, the mountains, like the sea, are in great upheaval and commotion. They're in violent change. It's, uh, it's almost apocalyptic language that we're reading here. And then, if you look down in verse 6, the scene shifts from all this chaos that's going on in nature to chaos in the political realm. Verse 6 says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Now, there's something that doesn't quite translate in our English versions because although the scene shifts from the chaos in the natural world to chaos in nations and the political sphere, the two verbs translated roar in verse 3 and rage in verse 6 and tremble, uh, tremble in verse 3 and totter in verse 6, those two sets of verbs are the same in the Hebrew. Roar and rage are the same word, tremble and totter are the same word. And I think the reason the psalmist does this is to show us that whether the threat of devastation comes to us from nature or from broken nations, we need to find refuge in the right place, location matters. And then in verse four and five, we read about that place. Look there with me. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of this city. She shall not be moved. So here God is in the city. Location matters. To be outside of the city of God is to be bereft of his unshakable protection, care, and strength. Because the psalm is in the Old Testament, the context here, the city here, is Jerusalem. Because in the Old Testament, this is where God promised to be in a special way and from where he would rule his people. Jerusalem housed the temple, and the temple housed his presence. So this is where God's special presence was. But in our own time, after Christmas, after the first advent of uh, Christ, that special place where God promises to be is in and with his church. Now, even if the church does seem messy sometimes, and I'm sure Pastor Dan will agree that Jacob's well is no exception to the rule. It can seem very, very messy at times. In reality, it's actually quite stable because it is that special place where God promises to be in word, in the Lord's Supper, in baptism, and in discipline. God uses these ordinances, these gifts, to bless us, to give to his church that stability, that unshakable strength, because through them, God promises to be with us. So location matters. When the world threatens devastation all around us, we need to find refuge in the right place. That's our first point. We need to be where God chooses to be in a special way. We need to find refuge and peace together in the church. Some of us may have taken part in a riveting childhood game of water balloon fights. And 
Uh, if you haven't, you're never too old to try. I wouldn't recommend it today, but wait uh, for the summer to roll around and then do it. But uh, for those of us who have been in a water balloon fight, you would have felt that the rush of a water balloon whipping right past your face, missing it by just a few inches. And then comes that moment of realization that, oh wow, if I was just a few inches over, that water balloon would have hit me right in the noggin. Location matters, sometimes even by just a few inches. Or think about the blizzard that we had in April of 2018. Would you rather think back to that blizzard? Would you rather have been on a back road somewhere trapped in your car while the blizzard raged around you? Or snug and warm and safe at home? Location matters. So being found in the church matters also. In a formal and visible sense of the word, are you a member of your local gospel preaching church? It doesn't have to be Jacob's well, but be a member of a gospel preaching church because it's preaching, it's sacraments and discipline is that way that God makes his, uh, his presence felt in the lives of his people. And whether we realize it or not, the church is that concrete, tangible place that the Lord uses to shield us from the chaos in the world. But in a true and more kind of invisible sense of the word, are you a member of the body of Christ? Have you trusted your life to Jesus? Have you given up your rights to yourself to be your own savior? Have you discovered that only true salvation that only Jesus gives? Because this, my friends, is where we must be found if we are to have any true and lasting peace and security in this world and the next. So finding refuge in the right place where God chooses to be in a special place is the first lesson from Psalm 46. The second is finding refuge and peace at the right time. Look, at, uh, look back at verse five with me again. It speaks of God's help coming in the morning. Because God is in the midst of his city, the psalmist says, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now these lines paint a picture of a city under siege. Right? The besieging army is at the gate. And although it sounds kind of strange to us, in antiquity, the morning was known as the most ominous time of the day, especially during a battle. Well, only during a battle, not, not without the battle. In today's warfare, technology helps soldiers uh, fight at any time of the day, even at night. But in antiquity, the morning was commonly known as that time where the enemy prepared to make the assault. So the morning was the time of greatest danger and the time of greatest crisis. And this is why the psalmist says, God will help his city when morning dawns. Even today, the right time to find refuge is the time of greatest crisis. When we have come to the ends of ourselves, when we have nowhere left to turn, when by God's grace, we realize that we can't survive the battles on our own because, because we just can't. Now in South Africa, where I grew up, there is a, a world-renowned race 
called the Comrades Marathon. Some of you may have heard of it before. It's a grueling test of endurance. It's 56 miles long. And, uh, but what makes it particularly grueling is that it is run between a coastal city of Durban and an inland city of Pietermaritzburg. And the, the start and finish lines alternate. So one year you'll run kind of up to Pietermaritzburg, 56 miles. The next year you run down to Durban, 56 miles. And growing up in South Africa, I loved watching this race on TV. I loved watching that broadcast. And I really enjoyed watching people stream over the finish line. They'd all be in pretty bad shape. But the thing that, uh, the thing that I remember like quite clearly is sometimes runners would collapse just before the finish line. They'd, they'd run 55.9 miles out of a 56-mile race. They'd turn that last bend, see the finish line, and then just collapse. But I think even more memorable than this was probably watching stronger runners gather around the collapsed runner, lifting him up and carrying him over the finish line. This, I think, is a good picture of us because we are all collapsed runners with one crucial difference. We can't even make it close to the finish line in our own strength. In our own strength, we can't even get over the start line. And this is my point, that when by God's spirit we realize that we need God's grace from start line to finish line, this is the time of greatest crisis. This is the right time to find refuge. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we see ourselves as collapsed runners in desperate need of God's grace from start to finish. So in Psalm 46, we learn to take refuge in the right place, where God promises to be present in a special way with his church. We also learn to take refuge at the right time, when by the work of his spirit, we become aware of our complete helplessness and are renewed and enabled to take refuge. And finally, Psalm 46 teaches us to take refuge in the right person because only in Jesus can we find peace and security because he alone has secured peace on our behalf. <clears throat> Knowing that the hour was fast approaching wherein he would be betrayed and crucified, Jesus comforted his disciples with these words in John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now perhaps the, the most well-known and well-loved line in Psalm 46 is that first part of verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And I'm sure if you were to go into Hobby Lobby, you would see it printed on mugs, you'd see it printed on photo picture frames and on canvases. And I've often seen this verse up on people's walls. And, uh, but what, of us, what many of us forget and what happens when we just see that line is that we, 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 we don't appreciate the context in which that line occurs. And I hope that what I've shared this morning so far has given us more appreciation for that context because it's the context of the battle that makes the line, be still and know that I am God, so meaningful. 
The battle is raging. The city is under siege. The besieging army is at the gate. The psalmist isn't sitting in his recliner, uh, sipping on a cup of joe, having his morning diva. He's in the middle of a life and death battle. There's chaos in the natural world, chaos in the political world. The besieging army is at the gate. It is the moment of greatest crisis. Now, all the way through the psalm, if we were to read it again, and I encourage you to do that this week, you feel the tension building and building and building. The situation gets more and more dire as we read through. And when we get to the end of verse 9, we're almost, we almost expect God to say something very different, right? We're in the battle. So we almost expect God to say, all right, they're here. The, 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 the army is upon us. The enemy is upon us. So run and put on your boots, grab your war hammer and get out there and crack some skulls, right? But he doesn't say that. Instead, he says this really, really surprising thing. Be still in the battle and know that I am God. We need to find refuge in the right person. But why and how? Why is it that victory is had in that still resting assurance that God is who he says he is? How is that even possible? Well, I think that Psalm 46 begins to answer this for us in the lines directly preceding verse 10 in in verses eight and nine. Would you read with me? It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. What are these desolations? He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Bows, spears, and chariots are all symbols of war and hostility. And what does God do with him? He destroys them. He destroys these symbols of hostility. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. My friends, this is a very, very exciting thing in the psalm. And I think that it keys us in to God's end game and ultimate purposes for us, his people, and for his creation. Because God is indeed mighty in battle. We've already seen that in in Psalm 46. He, He breaks, he shatters, he burns. He is a mighty warrior. But all this hostility is not for its own sake. His end game is to bring an end to hostility altogether. And God does this for us in Christ. The title for my sermon is Finding Refuge and Peace in the Battle. Peace, 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 peace. Peace is an outward state of affairs. Peace is also an inward reality, a condition of the heart and soul and mind. But for Christians, peace is much more than this, much more than an outward or an inward thing. For us, peace is a person. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And what God does in the battle here in Psalm 46 is exactly what Christ has done for us, his people, because Christ has brought an end to the hostility between us and God by taking hostility upon himself, even the wrath and curse of God due to us for our sin. Our Prince of Peace 
scorned by the ones he came to save, was nailed to the cross by the ones he came to save, for the ones he came to save. I think it's always helpful to ask in, when, you read, when you read through Psalms or when you read through Scripture, like, where, where is God here and where am I? And I think that when we reflect on the Psalm again, we would have to admit that those of us who are in Christ now, who are in the city of God now, were once the besieging army at the gate. We were enemies of God. And this is why Paul can write in Romans 5, for while we were enemies of God, while we here were the besieging army at the gates, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Jesus is mighty in the battle for our souls. Jesus is our prince of peace. He saved us from our own hostility against God so that now, again in Romans 5, Paul is able to write this, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can find refuge and peace in our battles uh, when and because we are no longer at war with God, but at peace with God in Christ. My friends, even as the battles rage around us at the end of 2020, even as they follow us into 2021, this should be our prayer. We should take hope in this, that we were not made for these battles in any ultimate sense. The people of God were made for peace, something greater, something better. Battles are not our end. Peace is our end. We were made to be ruled by our Prince of Peace. And as I kind of draw this to a, a, a conclusion, I think that this, uh, this idea is nicely il- illustrated in one of my favorite novels called Dawn of Wonder. The story's main character is a young boy named Aiden whose life goal it is to become the greatest warrior in the land and take vengeance on this wicked nation that pillaged his hometown and kidnapped his best friend. So many years later, when Aiden is well into his adventure, on the eve of battle, he sits down and has a very surprising conversation with an aged, hardened commander of the army. And I'll paraphrase and read for you. As darkness gathered around the camp, Aiden and this hardened commander settled at a respectful distance from the fire. Aiden was ready for action. He was ready to crack skulls. But he expected to review their plans for the coming battle. But instead, the commander's thoughts drifted to somewhere beyond the battle. His voice became wistful as he told of his plans to build a small workshop at the end of a quiet street where his cabin could overlook the river and from where he could smoke an evening pipe and dangle a lazy hook in the water. Aidan, this young warrior, had not thought much of the peaceful life. Other purposes had driven him, but the commander's plans sounded good. In fact, it sounded very good. Later that night, before Aidan's thoughts grew sleepy, the vision of the commander's peaceful retirement glowed in his mind's eye. Surely that was the end for which he too strove. Surely that 
was the only sense behind all the armies and weapons and spilled blood of the nation, not battle, not even victory, but the peace that lay on the far side, calling so patiently and so softly as to even be forgotten by those who won it. My friends, the battles of 2020, many of them will follow us into 2021. But these battles are not our end. The people of God were made for peace. That is our end. We're not made for continual battles. And we can find that peace in those battles. Because we are ruled by our Prince of Peace, Psalm 46 points us to Christ. And here is the hope that as we go into the new year, let this be our prayer, that Jesus would conquer and subdue our rebellious hearts to himself so that we could truly and in a new and fresh way be ruled by our Prince of Peace. Because not only will he subdue and conquer the rebellious world out there, but he promises to subdue and conquer our rebellious hearts as well. So when we're exhausted by the battles and the chaos in the world, when we're exhausted by the continual battles fought in our homes, hearts, heads, and bodies, we can find refuge and peace in the battle by being still and knowing that God is God, by resting in his strength, by not doing it on our own, by not fighting on our own. Find refuge in the right place where God promises to be with his church. Find refuge at the right time when you see yourself as a collapsed runner, weak, exhausted, without hope. And find refuge in the right person, even our Lord Jesus Christ and Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? Lord, this is our prayer. As we, as we see our 2020 and as we see in the new year, coming very quickly here, Lord, would you conquer our rebellious hearts? Would you subdue us to ourselves? Would you be our peace, Lord, as the battles rage around us? Our Lord, you are our refuge and strength. When we are weak, you are strong. When we are poor, in you we are rich. When we're brought low, you are raised high. When we are greatly afflicted in Christ, there is great comfort. Because you, Lord, are truly our ever-present help in trouble. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jason, very much. Such a timely reminder as we head into 2021, uh, as we face the battles to find our refuge in the Lord. If you're here today and you have found refuge in Jesus Christ, uh, if you have trusted in him for your salvation, uh, he nourishes us through his supper. And this supper is for you. And so if you trust in Christ, if you've been baptized, if you've been admitted to the the table by the leadership of a gospel preaching church, uh, you will see there are little communion cups in the seat in front of you. Please grab one. Um, If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't trusted in him, um, we encourage you to consider finding refuge in Jesus because finding refuge in yourself is is not a refuge at all. Uh, He is the only refuge that we can find.
And so this is for those who trust in Christ for their salvation. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. After blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, the, there is always storms swirling around, uh, storms that we cannot escape, God. There are always battles, uh, whether it be COVID time or not COVID time, God, there's always restlessness. And so, Lord, I pray that when we find ourselves under, under tremendous stress, feeling weary, feeling worn out, when we are prone to run to other refuges that provide no refuge at all, God, Lord, help us to run to you, Lord, that you would be our refuge, Lord, that we would take the weightiness of this world and put it upon your shoulders to carry it on our behalf, and that we could be still in that moment and know that you are God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.